Um, you know, it was uh, just the other day that we were able to go to extravaganza. You guys remember we went to extravaganza, the teens, you guys remember that? It was awesome. Extravaganza is a uh, annual event that happens. All the teenagers go uh, Southern Nazarene University in Oklahoma City and we have this big event and they have singing competition and athletic competitions and uh, art competitions and all of the kids. It's like a big camp with just a thousand teenagers and they're all there and there's special speakers and special worship. It was, it was an amazing time. Well, uh, Sarisa and I decided to go and, and watch, you know, a couple of days of that and we went down and we got to stay in a hotel. Um, we got to stay. It was awesome, the hotel. It's like this magic place where somebody cleans your room for you and like if you have laundry, you set it outside and it comes back clean. It's like, you know, it's amazing. So we were at the, at the hotel, and I came down for breakfast. One of my favorite things about the hotel breakfast are the waffles. You guys ever, you know, connect with the waffles on the, on the morning after you stay in the hotel? It's the best, especially the ones with the Texas-shaped waffles that are like this thick. And uh, go down there, and everybody's making waffles and stuff, and I'm watching. I don't know if you guys are like this, but um, a lot of people live oblivious to what's going on around them. I'm not that guy. Um, some people, they go on, and they just don't know what's happening. I've, I'm kind of watching things. I watch people, and, and there's uh, these young girls, somewhere between 10 and 12 years old, and they come to the uh, counter, and they um, get the, the syrup, and um, they, I, I guess they just thought it was all about them, because they have like a, you know, a coffee pot-sized syrup container, and everybody's there, and we're all getting syrup, and uh, these girls came, and they grabbed the syrup, take it back to their table. Really? Like, all these other people? But I think I'm the only one who saw, because everybody's making their waffles, and nobody's, and then everybody starts asking where the syrup is. Now listen, I'm not there to get involved, right? I'm just there to have a good night's rest, go, go watch the kids, and, and so they're, they're um, every, everybody's looking for the syrup, and these girls are over there, and they're just having this little talk. They don't even know anybody else is in the room, and they're talking, and they're pouring their syrup, and I need a little more. Oh, I've got one more for this little bite, and I'm watching the whole thing, but again, I don't want to be involved, and I don't want to like rat them out or anything, so I just kind of start walking around like, hey, have you looked at other tables? Have you seen anybody? Um, maybe you should look at the corner over there where the three girls are and see, you know, like just trying to drop some hints. Uh, finally, nobody's noticing. Everybody's needing syrup by this point. Nobody knows where it's at but me. <sighs> so I walk over and I'm like, hey, girls, and this is where parenting kicks in, you know, because um, I have a, well, just, she just turned 12. Happy birthday, Maddie, this past week. Um, turned 12 years old. One more year before we have to lock her up for a few years, you know, they turn 13 and off they go. So uh, we, Maddie um, is, is the same age. So, I, you know, I walk over there and I'm like, hey, girls, now I want you to know I didn't do anything. This isn't my fault at all, but y'all have ruined breakfast for everybody. <laughs> uh, don't you think that you should uh, take the syrup and let everybody share the syrup? It's, it, you know, it's for everybody. And of course, they like, oh, okay, I guess. No, actually, that didn't happen. I just uh, ate my, my breakfast and went on. But I wanted to. I wanted to go over to the table and be like, girls, you know, because it's good to practice your parenting on other kids. Uh, see, how am I doing? How's that? You know, um, how far can I push? And they're not going to start crying. I don't know. Um, but I, I didn't do that. I wanted to a little bit. Uh, all right, so I, I've got just a few minutes. I'm, I've got my countdown going here, uh, just about 10 minutes left. And I'm going to tell you a story. It's a little personal. Um, Sarisa, my wife, please don't be mad at me about this. But I remember uh, one time we, we were just married. Like we were just really just a few weeks married, um, so new in the church. I was, I mean, in, in life, I was a youth pastor at the time. Um, so, you know, we were both young. We didn't know anything about what was going on with life, but we were just having a good time together. 
And so one day the, the pastor asked me if my wife would sing in the choir for the Easter cantata that they were doing. And I said, yeah, she'll sing in the choir. I, I, why wouldn't she sing in the choir, you know? So later on we're going and uh, we're driving after church. We're going to meet a family to have lunch after church, like a lot of times happens. And so we're driving to the restaurant, and I said, oh, by the way, uh, the pastor asked me if you'd sing in the choir. I told him you would. <laughs> that was mistake number one, first of all. She looks at me, and she's like, you said what? Why, I, I said you would sing in the choir? Is that not a thing that, because she sings, I think she sings beautifully, you know, and like, no problem, a little soprano voice, wouldn't hurt. And uh, she's good looking, that helps too, the choir, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway I was like yeah it, it helps all around like you can sing good you look good you know to make everybody look better sound good and she's like uh why didn't he come ask me like I don't know maybe because I work with the guy I see him every day you know like it's it's not that big a deal and she's like it's not that big a deal what you told him I was singing the choir <laughs> now I'm realizing I made a mistake and I was like yeah but it's not that big a deal just sing in the choir it's like a, a short-term thing I'm not saying sing in the choir forever it's, it's like a you know a month or two it's gonna be over you'll be done with it just sing in the choir she's like no I'm not gonna sing in the choir now like my pride's on the line because I'm like my pastor I told him he, that she would and so I, I look at her and this is a second mistake I said uh, yeah you will sing in the choir <laughs> uh, mistake number two I haven't said that since by the way uh, since that day and she and so then what happens something you might see on an elementary school playground probably has happened right out here during school and she says no I won't huh. well I can get loud too yes you will <laughs> and she gets a little louder no I won't <laughs> you know and, and the whole situation es uh, escalated until finally we got to the restaurant where we we're gonna is a lovely lunch by the way I've it's a good time all around we all had a good time <laughs> The point is, uh, sometimes anger gets the best of us. You know what I mean? Like, uh, sometimes anger, it just runs away with you. And uh, I know today we're here for VBS and we're here for Harvest. And um, so I, I really, I promise I don't want to take a lot of time. We have a meal waiting. I don't know if you guys can start to smell it. I made like 20 pounds of pulled pork. It's going to be amazing. Um, plus, I brought the winning ice cream, um, the winning ice cream recipe today. So um, anyway, so... I do want to hurry through this, but I want to tell you that one of the things that we've learned as, as a church, as people, and working together, working with Harvest, uh, the, the administration of Harvest, and the, and the pastors of the church, and the, the church board, and uh, the Brazilian church that's meeting, and soon to be the Korean church, is that we have all got to take a clue and not be angry with each other all the time. Because we could so easily be offended with each other all the time. So I think that what I'm talking about today really is appropriate for what's happening today. Because you can see all of the moving parts and all of the ministries that are going on here. And it just so happened that this summer we're going through the whole Sermon on the Mount. Every, all the way through it. And today just so happened to be the scripture that Jesus talks about uh, being angry. So I'm going to read that scripture to you real quick. That's in Matthew chapter 5. Um, starting with verse 21. Now, if you want to follow along in the notes for today, the church app, I mentioned that earlier, uh, the church uh, app will have the, the notes as well as the scriptures in there. But um, chapter 5, this is Jesus speaking, the Sermon on the Mount, starting with verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. 
But I tell you that anyone who is angry with the brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar first and go be reconciled to them. Then come, out, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. All right, real quick, as we jump into this, before I, I get into it, I want to explain to you a couple of things. First, Jesus is talking about the Ten Commandments, the sixth one to be exact, about thou shalt not murder. He's not um, talking about an interpretation of the commandment, and we talked about this a little bit last week. He actually is changing it. He's not doing away with it. The, last week we learned that Jesus said he came to fulfill the law. So he's not changing what it said. He's, he's, I mean, he is changing what it says, but he's not doing away with it. He's not abolishing it. He's replacing the law here. So it's, it's important to understand what he's doing. He's not saying that it's okay to murder now. He says, I'm going to take this one step further and say, not only is it not okay to murder, but it's, it's not okay to be angry. Secondly, the religious leaders, they all thought they were in great shape. They thought, hey, we're good. As long as we don't murder, we're fine, right? Um, but Matthew 23, if, if you read on it, he addresses this. Jesus says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Another place he says, you're like whitewashed tombs. On the inside, you're all gross and stinky, and there's death there. But on the outside, it's all nice and clean and white. So he's, he's saying that if you're going to be a part of the kingdom of God, the standard that Jesus measures by is not if you don't murder. That's easy. If you came to me and you said, hey, my neighbor, yeah, I didn't murder him. Good. Like, that's good. I'm glad you didn't murder him. That's, that's bad. That's a sin. Um, also, it's against the law, so you probably go to prison. Um, but that's not what Jesus says here. He doesn't say just don't murder. What he's doing is he's establishing a new standard. He's given them a, a little bit more than what they had before. And, and so what I want to talk about is three things. First is the effect of anger for us. You know, there's a progression of anger. Did you know that? It's, it's anger moves to be a little deeper, a little deeper. So it all, it starts with um, being angry for no reason. Have you ever found yourself like that? Like, why are you mad? I don't know. Like, it's just a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. You know, like, uh, what's the, I think I'm just going to go out and eat worms or something. It's, it's, it's a bad day. So for no reason, there's two things we should be aware of here. First, Jesus is talking about murdering. That's not the, the idea or, or all of the stuff that he's talking about, but he, that's where he, it's like the door he enters into here. He, he's talking about killing somebody with malice and forethought, okay? So like the worst kind of murder, like murder in the first degree. This is, this is what Jesus is talking about. Second, the word judgment he uses here is the same word that God, when he pronounces a judgment on somebody, it, Jesus uses that same word right here. In John, uh, 1 John 3.15, uh, John says this, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. 
And you know that no murderer has eternal life in abiding, uh, life abiding in him. Jesus says it's not just the murder, it's the attitude behind it. Now I was looking up some data and I couldn't find a study that was super current, but an older study between uh, 1985 and 1994, they did a, a really comprehensive study of murder. In 94, there were 23,000 homicides, according to the FBI, which from 1985 was a 22% increase. What were people murdered about? They were murdered overwhelmingly over arguments. Like in our mind, we think people get murdered because of a drug deal gone bad or somebody trying to steal something from you. And that does happen a little bit. Um, it was 7% is drug related and um, gang killing is, point, is six tenths of 1%. So it's, it's not that that's where most murder comes from. It's because people get in an argument. They get mad at each other, and then they kill each other. Like, it's, it's just a crazy thing. So if anger's not there, then we can live a more righteous life. It helps us to, to pull out of that. So the first is being angry for no reason. The, sec, the, the next is, uh, step is contempt. The word raka is a Aramaic word that it finds its words in Aramaic anyway, and it literally means good for nothing. Good for nothing. I mean, and how many times have you said that to somebody? <sighs> good for nothing, so-and-so, right? Like, we, we do that. We, we tend to pronounce that on people. Jesus is saying, that is not right. And it, it also, it's a progression. It's like, getting worse and worse and when you get to that point it's, it's a little bit worse and then the third in the progression is just a settled hatred like you fool I, I hate you like it's just there and it just sits on you and it just rests on your soul have you ever found yourself there like it's just this anger that happens and this is one thing that we've learned about working together and for vacation bible school this week um, I didn't see anybody running around hating each other, and that's because we're trying to abide by the, the principles that Jesus is teaching us. It's not only did a little kid come and say, hey, teacher, guess what? I didn't murder my friend. <laughs> Good, because we don't, we don't want you to do that. There's a whole other set of circumstance involved in that. But they're coming and saying, hey, I was nice to my neighbor. Hey, I gave them, I shared my candy with them. Hey, I gave them my, my uh, ticket, and they, they would get the tickets that would drew prizes we tried to draw prizes, they, they, they would give the tickets um, for just sometimes it would be a random act of kindness or, you know, for the other things that they uh, bring in their Bibles and, and the different stuff, uh, offerings. But, um, you know, they might come and say, hey, teacher, I gave my ticket away. So we're trying to teach them that this is how we are in the kingdom of God. We don't want to live in this angry place. All right, the second thing is, Jesus talks about the importance of reconciling. In verses 23 and 24, it changes from you, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this. Therefore, you are offering your gift at the altar, and remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Changes from you to now leave your gift there in front of the altar and go be reconciled to them. So it's changing from us to others. And that's something that hatred starts with is we think about ourselves. How does this affect me? How do I get something out of this? How can I do me? It changes from that to others. 
It's a focus on the other person. Jesus is saying, if I kind of my own interpretation, so if you're about to offer your gift to God at the altar, but remember that somebody has a grievance against you, stop right there and go to them, fix the problem, and then come back to worship. And, and in verse 23, he says, therefore. And what he's doing is he's tying the, what was happening before, the consequence of what was happening before, of having an angry spirit, he's tying that to what we're talking about here. If we are angry, or if we have caused somebody else to be angry with us, there's nothing in that moment more important than taking care of it. Nothing. Because worship of God is deemed to be the most important. Unless somebody's angry with you, then stop. Collaborate and I'm just joking. Who's listening? Stop. And from there, go and reconcile. You can't carry that anger in your heart. It will eat you up. And that's something that I, I try to teach my kids. Don't hold the anger. Don't harbor the anger. Take that anger. And, and even if I don't think that I did something wrong, I try to be the first to apologize. If somebody's mad at me, I try to identify what did I do? What do they think I did? Because sometimes it's just what do they think I did? They might think I did something, and that's not what I said at all, but that's what they heard. So I'll go and, I'll, and I won't give one of these apologies like, I'm sorry if you think I said. Like, that's not an apology. I'm sorry for what I said. And I'm not sure how you heard it, but let me explain to you what I was trying to say. Here's what I want you to hear. Right? Always. And it's okay to be the first to apologize. Don't be so proud that you harbor that anger and you find yourself in this place where you have this anger. And Jesus is saying, it's like saying to your brother or sister, Raka, you fool. I hate you. But I didn't kill him. Well, that's good. Don't harbor the hate. Don't be a whitewashed tomb. All right, last one. Man, I'm doing good on time too. Here we go. Last one. All right, the urgency of reconciliation. Now, why is it so important that he says, to, like, let's do this now? What's so urgent about that? The urgency that we should be reconciled with, the reason is because we cannot be reconciled to God if we are unreconciled with somebody else. That can be scary. Because imagine right now, every one of you, myself included, imagine somebody that you have been angry with. How do you feel about that person? What does it do to your spirit, to your soul? How does it eat you up? You have that there, you can't be reconciled to God. That's what he says. You cannot be reconciled to God. That's it. So what we need to do is be rid of that so we can be reconciled to God. The urgency is because without that, we can't be reconciled. Do it quickly. Do it as fast as possible. Take care of it now. Don't let it linger in your spirit. Anger can destroy us. I just want you to know, anger will destroy you. Don't let anger wiggle its way into your heart. 
Don't let anger be the thing that separates you from God. Find yourself in a, a secret prayer closet and go to God and say, God, help me to release this anger. What do I need to do? How can I be rid of this? And ask him to help you. We were having a discussion in our starting point group last week about the way that the Holy Spirit works in our heart. And it's not a magic formula. It's not that you receive Christ, you align yourself to be filled with the Spirit and do what He wants, and then all of a sudden everything takes care of itself. It doesn't happen quite like that. What happens is we ask the Holy Spirit, we say, Holy Spirit, I only want what you want, so guide me. And in your mind, you still have a choice to make. He will prompt you. We call that being filled with the Spirit or being sanctified or a second work of grace, whatever you want to call it. He will prompt you in your soul, in your mind, and, and he'll say, hey, you know that guy that you had that thought about? You know the, the words that you said? You know the little girl you got mad at for having the syrup? You need to take care of that. Oh, okay. He, take, he, he, he speaks to your heart, your soul, and we become aligned with him. And that's how it is. Like I said, it's not, a, it's not a magic formula. It's not a hocus pocus. It's not a all of a sudden, everything in the whole world is different. It is, Holy Spirit, I want what you want. Prompt me in my mind and my heart so that I can do what you want me to do. And it's awesome because if you're dealing especially with another, it's, it's harder on us but with his help, we can do it when they're not a Christ follower themselves. But when they are, and the Holy Spirit speaking to them too, hmm, makes it so much easier. So my encouragement to all of you today is don't hold the anger. Don't hold the anger. I've learned, and I'm so thankful that I can work with people like uh, all of it, Tina and... Jessica and Dustin and Jessica and Michael and Bruno and all of the staff for the school and the church and Claudio and soon to be Tony and Grace. I can work with all these people, but none of us are harboring any anger or bitterness. We're not mad because kids spilled, you know, grape juice on the floor even though we told them not to have it but it's fine <laughs> like we don't get mad about those things well like, you know what i love you you love me we're doing work let's reach people for jesus because that's what it's about let's pray god this morning we're so thankful for who you are so grateful for what you've done in our lives now god as we try to live a life that is without anger. I pray that you would help us to not try ourselves, but that you would help us to try with you. Holy Spirit, that you would work in our spirit, that you would work in our hearts, that you would teach us to not be angry. Reconcile so that we can 
be reconciled with you. In Jesus' name we pray.